Hello, I'm Ian Rowlands. And I'm Colin Williams. And welcome to Beneath the Stream, a podcast about the human experience of the non-human world. And uh, you catch us on a windswept ridge surrounded by beech trees. It's actually tremendous wind roaring through here. And, uh, and that's the subject of today's podcast, Colin, is the wind. Aha. And our experience of the wind. And uh, I was going to launch straight in, really, with saying... My experience of being out in nature in the wind is twofold. One is it fills me with a tremendous sense of exhilaration, the power, everything seems alive, the, the, the voices of the leaves, the trees are speaking to us. Um, and when you're out, birds of prey and, and ravens and crows are on the wind, they love dancing in the wind, they use it to soar low over the hillsides. But it's also a slight dismay because when you're out looking for wildlife, and the non-human world, it's almost entirely absent on windy days. Small birds have gone for cover, they're nowhere to be seen, and the mammals that you might bump into, and uh, we did see a stoat actually, yeah. just arrived, yeah, we, we did. didn't hear us coming, but most mammals are wary of being active on windy conditions because they can't hear predators approaching, particularly human predators. So, uh, uh, so tell me your experience of, of, of windy weather and whether you like it, don't like it. I love it. And um, it, uh, I know in these podcasts I hark back to my childhood a lot, but because I spent childhood um, out in the countryside, out in the wild, I suppose it does inform a lot of my views. And of course I come from the Fens, where wind arrives from the north um, and from Siberia in some cases, almost uninterrupted. And of course there's no mountains there to deflect the wind and no you know the best you have is a sort of low sea wall and so you get pure wind um and it's very um we're out here on the top of the the north wessex downs in hampshire and as you say it's really windy and it's and it's it's buffeting and we can hear the sound of of the wind in the trees but uh from my childhood until now my experience of the wind has always been as you say exhilarating my wife is a teacher and um, she hates windy days because she, send it, she says it sends the kids crazy <laughs> and they become more animated and hyperactive when it's windy and so she'll always come home after a windy day, a terrible day, terrible. there was fights and you know there was all sorts of stuff going on because of this, this wind. That's really fascinating yeah. isn't it? So it's not an illusion, it's sort of a we respond differently to the wind and it, it taps into uh, some essential nature of ours in common with the animals that we share the planet with. I, I, I love that, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I used to, in a previous incarnation, be a wildlife tour guide. So my days would be informed by almost waking up and listening for the sound of the wind. And if it was windy, this was in the north of Scotland, you, you knew it'd be a good day to see eagles, mm -hmm. golden eagle in particular, because these soaring birds in hot, dry, sunny days would be tiny specks in the sky uh, with their eyesight they can see you know something a, a meter in length from up to two to three miles range so they could be way in the sky but on windy days they use the wind to hunt really low around the hillsides and take things like mountain hare unaware so you knew it'd be a good day to see things like eagles but a, a really terrible day for seeing uh, mammals uh, deer would, would, would be scattered and because uh, strange wind directions they wouldn't ever be able to smell predators coming and for small birds uh, it'd be hopeless absolutely hopeless to see them so uh, yeah it informed 
what I would anticipate doing with a group and showing a group, etc., every day. And I've led tours in, in Yellowstone National Park quite often, and um, not always the best conditions to go out looking for wolves, for example. Again, they kind of hunker down low and uh, yeah, just not, would inform everything anyway. So for you then, Colin, kind of, uh, uh, it's got childhood memories too, but you, this is your landscape you live in. So yeah. is it normally a windy place? We uh, uh, sort of we, we live in the we live in the valley um, just down there. You can you can almost see our house from where we are. So we are just goes the folds of greenland yeah, we're, rolling we're away quite from high us. Up. It's a classic English land, sort of pastoral landscape, really. Although we're up here on what's probably a fairly ancient track leading up from the valley up to the spine of the downs and meeting something called the Wayfarer's Walk, which goes all the way from um, Inkpen Beacon, um, way out there where we have the Coombe Gibbet. That's a windy place. We'll come back to that later. And it goes all the way down to Emsworth on the south coast, uh, which is out to the east of Portsmouth. So it's an old drover's road. Wow. People driving cattle all the way down to um, the port um, uh, down by the sea there. Um, and so it's quite an ancient landscape. It's lots of we're we're sitting amongst uh, beech trees and hawthorn trees um, up here on this trackway. And uh, yeah, it, it it actually can be quite a windy place because to our north there, um, the this is the start of the downs, and so to our north it flattens out, and it's not nearly as hilly or as um, undulating out there. We're we're now sitting on the chalk downs. And the downs now stretch all the way out to um, the sea on the south coast of England. Um, and so, yeah, it is a windy place, and this is my landscape now. And uh, maybe part of the reason I've settled here so well is that <laughs> it's a good windy place, <laughs> and, and, and I love it. It is an ancient landscape as well, and it's a sort of it's of course like a deeply rutted track mm. with uh, gnarled roots of trees dropping away from us where we're sat, and we're we're hunkered behind this tree trunk, yeah. which in itself is fascinating. We just gathered here and yet the tree trunk is covered in coloured beads and little offerings somebody yes. has made so it yeah in, in itself it feels like uh like little votives yeah exactly that, been left yeah. Here. goodness knows how this recording's gonna come out whether we <laughs> actually hear ourselves or not <laughs> this almost takes your breath away doesn't it it was it was interesting actually knowing that we were going to be talking about wind i kind of um, was pondering those phrases we use in everyday language and uh you know, to, to get the wind knocked out of you uh, is, is sort of, um, it's both the wind could do that and also it's the breath inside your body. You, yeah. Know? Yeah. you almost feel like, um, I feel like myself struggling to speak in some ways. But uh, and, and there's a lovely, while we're talking about those little expressions, there's a lovely expression in Welsh. Oh yeah? And, and I, um, I won't be able to do the pronunciation justice and so I, I, I won't try. But when someone is in a hurry, they say they have the wind in their fist. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. And so they yeah. can, they, when you're in a real hurry, the wind in your fist. God, that's a great line. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Great line. Um, and of course, there's that whole thing about um, putting the wind up someone. Yes. <laughs> giving them a fright or, or whatever. And uh, to get wind of something as well. And I, I love that particularly today because I was thinking about the sort of, um, it's almost like voices on the wind, isn't it? It's to get wind of something, you're hearing about it. And... Uh, Carrying a message. Yeah, wow. I, I, I love that. I love that. It's sort yeah. of um, it's a sense that uh, that the wind carries things, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, we talked initially about birds, and you know, on a, this is the autumn season, 
there's sort of migratory birds around. The winds are sort of favourable at the moment for birds arriving from Scandinavia. So, at, at, you know, and I've been in southern Sweden at this season where high overhead skylarks, pigeons, woodpeckers, you name it, they're clearing out of Scandinavia because of the cold weather to come and uh, skipping across the waves of the North Sea and arriving on the shores of the UK in just such conditions as this, which is really amazing to, to picture. And so I, I love the fact that the, the wind speaks of movement of all sorts. There are, there are birds on the move, uh, things tumbling in on the wind, leaves blowing everywhere, and it's changing the landscape of Britain. Yeah. And I think there's so many interests in natural history. We, we tend to be observant of the wind direction. I mean, it'll, it'll speak of certain birds arriving or mm. weather conditions. I mean, you're a, a child of East Anglia, and when, when the east wind is blowing, as you say, it's uninterruptedly coming from Russia and bringing particularly cold weather. Southwest winds for us, it's a warmer weather, isn't yeah. it? It's damper weather. So. Well, and also in that respect, uh, I guess as you grow up, if you grow up watching wildlife, then you also get to be informed where to stand. Yeah. You, you want to stand, you know, downwind of something rather than upwind of something. So it, whatever it is, mammals especially don't catch your scent or or catch your noise less as well. So yeah, uh, lots of uh, activities feel informed by that. No, it's true. It's true. And I, I think I've only be recently become more aware and it's almost like a, it's something that you don't consciously pick up on that certain places that you know you'll expect um, a hawk might come from a certain direction and, and knowing that animal life is totally tuned in to the direction of the wind will, will affect where they go foraging uh, how they'll take prey by surprise um, the landscapes changed by the wind as well so you know wind drift will uh, build up soils in a particular direction um, one of my favourite sort of words, you know, what does that word mean? It's uh, animokery is, the, is the, the science of seed dispersal by the wind, you know, and it's, it's a word that, that would say, you know, seeds, uh, railway lines are a classic, you know, the, the, the wind created by trains going by would disperse seeds in particular right. routes and you could predict where the seeds would land uh, depending on the direction of the wind. And I guess I look at the landscape here and think, the seeds from the, the meadows up above us, and I'm right thinking there's a, an ancient hill fort above That's us right. here, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So those seeds will go in a particular direction depending on the prevailing wind here. So yeah. Yeah. So so what what else is there to think about when we when we're thinking about the subject of wind? I love. I'm going to come back to the voices on the wind thing okay. because I. Um, it's almost like the imagination hears things speaking, and I think I referred before to those people who um, who believe that the wind in the trees is the voice of the trees speaking somewhat contentious but it sort of uh, relays the the notion that we create language through wind coming through us so why is that so impossible that different species of trees have have a voice depending on the sound of the wind and uh, you know Native Americans many indigenous peoples believe that uh, a, the wind is a living force, but that all living things have a voice. So uh, the Mi'kmaq people of um, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, um, they believe that the wind is a divine messenger. And uh, they have this beautiful phrase, that the voice of God is emptied into the wind. 
It's really curious, someone, isn't it? So it's like a, a medium, like water, I guess, yeah. dispersing the, the voice. Well, I also, um, I mean, you, you know a lot more about Native American culture than I do, but uh, I was fascinated to read as we were preparing for this podcast about um, the Navajo word for wind. And again, I'm not going to do it the injustice of trying to pronounce it, but um, within that word is uh, a greater sense than just uh, an element. Um, and so within that word, the, the Navajo word for wind um, is also includes a sense of the wind being a god, uh, of the wind being a holy person. Um, uh, also, the same word is used for the act of breathing. Mm. Um, and also, uh, uh, supplied to every Navajo's soul. And so just the word, the Navajo word for wind encompasses all of those things. Um, and very much um, the sense that the wind is the means of life in that culture. Oh, really? Rather than just an, uh, an element or even just a deity, it, it encompasses everything. Fascinating stuff. It, it is, because of us, we, we've come out here to record this podcast, wanting to record a podcast, The Wind, and grabbed it because we've noticed it's a windy day. But I think particularly for Plains, Lakota, Dakota cultures, wind is an everyday thing, as it is for a lot of Inuit people as well and I think uh, that's really interesting Inuit have a particular and Inuit's a big a big term and, uh, you know there are many many cultures from true Eskimo to uh, tundra Inuit and uh, people right across the pole but but an air, air spirit is a common deity yeah. for Inuit people which unsurprising and and perhaps not not conversely to that but a different element of that so I also read about um, uh, the Sami, um, uh, the sort of uh, the Scandinavian peoples, um, and within their shamanic culture and beliefs, um, the the god of the wind is called Bjegalman, or uh, <laughs> I, I haven't said that right either, um, but, uh, but he's the man of the winds. But more specifically, he's the god of summer winds. And I, I, I couldn't find a god of winter winds. Oh, really? Uh, in, interesting. It, it might be there, but I, I didn't find it in my little bit of research. But Bugelman is the god of summer winds. Um, and the reason that there's an association there with the wind and unpredictability. So maybe it's the fact that in winter, you expect it to be windy and winter winds are predictable. But Bugelman as the god of summer winds is considered an unpredictable god. Oh, really? And he's normally... Um, uh, depicted with a shovel or two shovels by which he shovels the wind in and out of his cave um, and so he's extremely sort of uh, uh, like a lot of Norse gods uh, extremely mischievous huh. um, and suddenly perhaps these summer winds can become unpredictable and suddenly appear and that is Beagleman, the man of the wind shoveling the winds out of his cave uh, I, I love that that's really cool isn't it yeah. uh, thanks for sharing that I've not heard that before mm. I was um it sort of reminded the mischievous nature of the wind. I, I was just reminding myself of, uh, wow, the wind's really blowing strong now, of um, the writer Carlos Castaneda, who wrote in the 1970s um, some books. Journey to Ixlan is, is perhaps the, uh, the most famous of his books, where it may or may not, there's some contentions whether these are fictional accounts of his, his, his meetings with Don Juan, a, a Yaqui shaman. But they may be true, nobody's entirely sure, but there, there are truths in the books, let's put it that way. 
and uh, so Don Juan is really with Carlos out on the, the mesas uh, often at night and teaching him to be more respectful of the spirits and more respectful of um, that everything is alive and whenever he's not respectful Don Juan points out these gusts of wind that appear and it's like the, the mischievous spirit of the wind is, is angry and reminding him and poking him and buffeting him and, uh, and I, I kind of there's some mischievous yeah. nature there with the wind, which yeah. which we're experiencing here today because we're we'll just be getting engrossed in recording, and suddenly the wind gusts really strongly around this gnarled tree that we're hunkered behind. So. Well, there's also a sense from some of those um, indigenous peoples that the wind is also um, they recognise the necessity of the wind, and that's also built into their storytelling, their folklore, their mythology. Because certainly some people believe um, some Native American. Um, indigenous peoples um, in their belief system is that the wind is created by um, by the wind eagle the, the, mm. the, the beating of the wings of, of the wind eagle and there's certainly um, folk tales about um, not taking that for granted I was thinking about the trees that we're sat behind and there's um, there's quite a lot of science that shows that the wind causes trees to grow quicker and wider so uh, they've done some experiments where they they look they, they sort of directed wind at certain trees and not at others and um, and those trees in the wind they put on more girth and they become more established and it's almost like the wind is an essential component in for some trees in putting on strength. It's like being tested by the wind yeah. allows them to become stronger. stronger. So, That's somehow. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And of course, a lot of things are tested by the wind. You know, the sort of, um, we talked about migratory birds buffeted by wind and some birds go incredibly high to, to make those migratory journeys even easier. So bar-headed geese in India going over the Himalayas to migrate, you know, are encountering winds up at 59,000 feet you know so so many creatures experience of the wind is absolutely part of their yeah. existence in a way that it isn't for us and and that helps create um, our own stories and experience of those animals doesn't it and you because don't uh, uh, there are certain species of crane that also yeah mi migrate at great altitude and um, and of course the Tibetans call cranes the birds of heaven um, and it, it's a lovely connection between um, um, something coming down from the sky um, that, that would have been way up there in these high winds. The dove from above. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I get it. It's, it's, yes. re it's really yeah. interesting, isn't yeah. it? And I, I love the fact that you get other creatures that arrive on the wind. You know, I was on the beach in uh, Alborough in Suffolk this summer and suddenly spiders appeared from nowhere and there were spiders being blown on gossamer threads across from the yeah. Netherlands and Denmark and were landing on the shingle beach that we were all sat on uh, watching a gig watching a concert on the beach there so and did you bow down to your new arachnid invading <laughs> masters <laughs> with the 
storms and, and yeah wind. I mean we, we're recording this here in a place that doesn't often experience extreme winds and uh, my experiences of that are being on Shetland uh, the hotel I say that the timber hotel regularly um, on one winter when the winds reached uh, I think they were gusting to 170 miles an hour and the hotel itself moved by two meters no yeah and it's wow. a huge building huge building so the hotel moved and of course we're we're recording this just fresh after yet more hurricanes sweeping through Florida my friends who live in Florida where I made the error of saying you know oh we've arrived too late we missed all the fun of the hurricane and they the very stern look they gave me kind of soon snapped that out of me and it's yeah. it's no joke it's, it's the real a, thing yeah absolutely yeah. a major threat to life and limb and a total change in the landscape um, two years ago I was in Dominica you know and they're just at the end of hurricane the devastation hurricane Erica was still evident and then another hurricane swept through in about a month after we were there and that that landscape the rainforest stripped of wildlife and leaves and this is like uh, you know what are we now a year later and still most of the island without electricity yeah. so it's uh, the destructive power of nature natural or unnatural or affected by the changing climate that we are causing well and I remember going uh, being in Iceland once in October and uh, going to the um, counter at the uh, airport to get my shuffle ticket or whatever it was and saying to uh, the woman behind the counter, remarking how, remark, remarking how cold and windy it was, and she looked at me as if I was a simpleton. It, it was such a redundant phrase. What? In in that one look, she said to me, it, "It's late October in Iceland. Uh, <laughs> did, were you expecting it to be balmy yeah. summer breezes?" Um, and and so there are communities for whom. Um, wind is a, a central part of the division of season um, and um, how central part of their climate and uh, what partly identifies the place that they live whereas we largely um, here in the UK um, you know when we have a windy day it's a remarkable thing. I've traveled a lot in the Western Isles and, and you know the, the people who live there could speak better to this than I could but um, it is a place where every morning you wake up and listen to how windy it is not whether it's windy yeah and um, you know everybody has that sort of rosy glow in their cheeks that looks like they're from Tibet or Nepal and uh, and I lost the door from my car right. I inadvised <laughs> I parked on a headland to look at migrating seabirds inadvisedly parked in the wrong direction so I could look out of the window opened the door rather casually and the door came off it bent back and came off and uh, so I called the AA Automobile Association thinking, I don't know what the heck <laughs> they're going to do about this. But of course they dispatched the local garage who fixed the door back on like it was a matter of course. Yeah. And said, do you want me to fit some restraining braces on that door so it doesn't happen again? Which is clearly what he did for a lot of local people. <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah. A, a different no, way of life. I love it. And it, and it, it reminds me, um, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in the Old Testament. Um, in in Proverbs, it's, which says that he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, <laughs> and and so for a long time um, we have uh, uh, the wind has been both a blessing and a curse, and, and of course in the, in that um, in that proverb 
um, you're inheriting the wind as a destructive quality. Um, you'll destroy your own house from within, just like the wind. There's also a poetry for me, in, and in a way it's kind of like Western society trying to rationalise wind, uh, but a poetry in the Beaufort scale. Yeah. And um, you know, for those who don't know, Beaufort was a, uh, Francis Beaufort was an, an Irish sailor in the Royal Navy, and he devised this scale in 1805. And I mention it because, in a way, I grew up with it. It was one of the first things that made me think about the wind, because it has those bucolic phrases that describe the scale from 1 to 10. And what you would observe with a moderate breeze at one, all the way up to you know gale forces at ten, and it's sort of a lovely phrases like you know small branches sway in the wind. I think that's force two, you know, and it's sort of a and it has a lovely sort of lyrical quality to to a description of what are elemental yeah. forces of nature which we um, we experience and make us think about our contact with the non-human world. A great kind of. Uh, connection between the way the wind moves across the surface of our planet and how it affects things like waves and, and what they look like. And interestingly, when I was certainly studying geography at A-level, whether science has moved on or not, I don't know. Um, I remember my geography teacher saying, and no, we still don't know how the energy from, how energy passes from wind to wave. And so we know they're related somehow, but the, the, the physics of it we still haven't worked out. That, that may have changed in the last 20 odd years, um, but uh, I, I love the fact that there's still, the wind still carries with it some mystery too. Yeah, I, I love that, I love mm. that. Speaking of mystery, it made me think, because I, I hadn't thought about touching upon sea states until you mentioned it, because uh, there's a lot of speculation and no hard science around the great whales and living in the oceans which are very high winds, like the you know, in the Antarctic, for example. Sorry, you were nearly decapitated there. That's a big branch. <laughs> that branch just shot past Whoa. your head. That would have made for great podcasting. Verisimilitude. I, I so wish it had hit you, Ian. Production values. <laughs> I'm going to sink down a little lower behind this tree we're, now. We're method, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> we really like to experience these things. But it was, it, it's interesting because um, the whales, it's thought that some of them will leap out of the water to grab air to breathe in very high sea states and uh, it's speculation that a lot of the whales in the southern oceans the roaring 40s migrate to calmer water areas to have their calves almost just so that the calves can breathe more easily so yeah it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing that, that, that wind affects all life on the planet so yeah so that you might not think of You know I'm dying to talk about Aeolian harps, aren't you really? So, I was waiting uh, for it. I think it's because I once heard a programme on the radio about them, and these are wind-driven harps. So it's like a sound box with strings of various thickness, and you would leave them somewhere windy for the wind to play a song on the harp of its own composition. And people have made huge versions of these. The, the, the sort of ancient Greeks had small versions, you know, sort of a... Uh, that you could handle with, 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 with your hands, but um, people have made Aeolian harps that stand, you know, 
seven or eight meters tall and play sounds on the wind and I kind of uh, I love that sound of the wind playing with the rigging in boats whistling in the wind and clanking them and it's sort of uh, you know so the wind produces sound that transports us to another place I love that being part of something too yeah and that whole um, you know we and humans all humans do is reproduce it with instruments like flutes where you blow across a hole in order to make that noise I, I love to hear it against my the hood of my jacket if I've got my hood up on a really windy day and it's cutting across at a particular angle um, and uh, it sets up this wicked music um, in my ear and I was walking my, my wife is a musician and we were walking not not far from here one day where there was an old gatepost um, that was um, standing up and it had uh, two holes in it um, one one near the top so a metal tubular gatepost but it had no gate hanging on it and so there was there was two holes in it and uh, as we walked past um, uh, my wife remarked that the the, the notes that were created as the wind whipped past these holes created the devil's chord or the devil's interval which uh, I can't remember it's a, some musical term you know a diminished third or whatever it was but this, this, this devil's interval that sets up this discordant sound where you play those two notes together and, and there it was this man-made object stuck there and the wind passing it created this wow. this amazing noise We've got to wrap this up, Ian. Yeah. So, so what, are, what are our thoughts about how the wind... I think, actually, as, as we were talking, I think you could hear, it, you could hear the wind in our voices. We were, <laughs> we were speaking in a higher pitch, yeah. in a more urgent way. Uh, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it sounds because you end up shouting against the wind, um, yeah. which in, its, uh, in a way is its own metaphor because <laughs> I think uh, you know, my voice is a little hoarse and I'm just give more impetus to... to the, produce the sound the wind is snatching my words away and and there is that thing a sort of raging against the wind isn't there there's that sort of um, human quality against a non-human force which you you have no power over and uh, and for us I think I know that we will slink away from this place get to the shelter where we can hear ourselves speak and, and feel that we've regained control of our, our environment somehow so now I've loved being up here on the top. And I only have to think about all the times I've walked to the top of a mountain or, or driven to a high place and you get out of the car or you come out from behind the shelter of a, the lee of a rock or, or, or a bank or whatever it might be and the exhilaration you feel and you, you know, difficult not to outstretch your arms and, and feel as if you want the wind to try and catch your arms somehow. Um, you almost put yourself in, in the place of the kestrel. Or, or the wind hover, as Gerard Manley Hopkins called it in his, his lovely poem, to feel that, to feel um, lifted by this great element. So you can uh, find out more about the programme and uh, go to our website at uh, beneaththestream.com. Thanks for joining us on this windy day. <laughs>